Hello, and welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I wouldn't listen to that, and I'm sure you wouldn't either. So, let's take a look at today's topic. Normal. What's normal? You know, as, as I'm recording this, um, two days after our national election here in, uh, in the United States. And I say that because we have a lot of international listeners, and thank you all. We've uh, surpassed uh, 2,200 listeners, which is, uh, which is quite surprising to me, and, and I appreciate that. But we had an election, national, state, local, uh, quite a few going on here. And some of them have been called, and some of them have not. We're still waiting for the count, right? And a couple of my friends, um, one was the current county coroner, had been for almost 18 years, and the other one was running for sheriff. Um, neither one of them won. The coroner did not get re-election, and, uh, and, and, and my friend running for sheriff did not win. Got close, but did not win. And, you know, right before I started recording this, I called them both. Give them a couple days because, you know, they're going to get a, a flood of, 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 oh, sorry, and da 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 <clears throat> But I talked to both of them. And, and, and in, the, in the coroner's instance, you know, I said, you know, look at it this way. You, you don't have to get up in the middle of the night or leave on Christmas or birthdays to, to, to go to a scene, you know. And, and you know what he said? He said, you know, that, that, that's important. He said, but... Really, I, I, I just concerned that the job continues on properly for the citizens. What he was talking about was a, a norm, a norm that has been set by him for the last nearly 18 years. And he's extremely good. I've worked with many coroners and, and, and medical examiners, and, and he's, he's very good at his job. And, and you know, obviously we wish the best for, for the incoming coroner. But, but his concern was that they have what they need to do the job and to keep up the best job for the folks here. I thought that was very gracious. And we were just talking. It was just he and I were friends from, from long back, many scenes together. He could have said any number of things, but he didn't. You know, then I was speaking to my other friend who, who did not uh, win the sheriff's election. And I said, you know... You had a lot of fire for what you could do at the uh, sheriff's department. A lot of good ideas. We were, we've been talking through a good bit of the election cycle. And I said, take that fire and turn that back toward your current job at the police department. Now, he's a captain there um, over uh, detectives. I said, take that fire. Take those ideas. Take those initiatives and do that there. And he said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that. He said, I've been doing a lot of introspective view of myself and thinking to myself, well, you know, I said I could do all these things for the sheriff's department. And, well, why don't I apply them here? 
We're talking about changing the normal. But what got me thinking about normal wasn't the election. It, it, it wasn't any of that. It was my son. My son's in college. He, he, he hit me up um, about a week or so ago. And he said, Dad, I've got a, a project at school. And uh, I, I need to interview somebody. And uh, I want to interview you. Well, well, that's very nice, you know, heartwarming moment. The, the son wants to interview the, the father. That's cool. And he said, it's on normal. And he sent me some sample questions, but he said, you know, just, just, we're going to have a conversation. We got on, we got on a video call and, and he was recording it. And he said, we just first question, what is normal? And I paused and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that's just the first question. I mean, what, what is normal according to you? And I said, it's a moving target. It's a moving target. And we went through some other questions, and, and, and I'll get into a, a few more of my answers here in, in a minute. But it really got me thinking. With the election that had been coming, with, with everything that's going on in law enforcement today that we've spoken about in previous podcasts, how do you define normal or do we even try? So as I like to do a lot of times, I looked up the definition of normal. And according to our friends at Merriam Webster, normal as an adjective can be conforming to a type standard or regular pattern. I think it's always funny. You know, back in school, they used to say, um, you know, if you're, if you're, when you're in some type of got to define that word, what does that word mean? You couldn't define the word with the word, but yet even Merriam Webster defined the word with a synonym, normal and regular. I think that's interesting. And it says it's characterized by that, which is considered usual. That's another synonym, typical. There's another one or routine. Yet another one, such as normal working hours or under normal circumstances, those kinds of terms. It goes on to say it's also according with consulting or not deviating from a norm, rule, or procedure, or principle. So what is normal? Occurring naturally, you know, in, in, in science? That's just normal. That's the normal flow. The, the, the seasons come in, the seasons go out. That's the norm, right? Um, but then, of course, there's the mathematical norm, the, the statistical average, right? Which I brought up in my conversation with my son. And then, frankly, not, not to uh, leave him out, because I realized when I was reading this, I have some listeners here. Don't forget about the city, normal Illinois, <laughs> just north of Bloomington, Right? What is normal? How do we define normal in today's law enforcement world? Well, you know, I, I remember back in, back in the academy and even with my field training officers back in the day, it was always never use the term routine, routine traffic stop, routine call. We still hear it. Some of us still use it. But the reason we weren't supposed to use that is because that statement can bring in some apathy. It can bring in a, oh, this is just a normal call, nothing to worry about. Well, as we know in law enforcement, 
those normal calls many times are the ones that can uh, lead to uh, very abnormal circumstances. You know, they can they can they can rise quickly. That that call for uh, somebody uh, fighting in the street, then you go, well, that's just a normal fight call, and you go out there and and what you didn't know is they're armed, right? Now now we got a whole different situation. So never think of anything as as routine. Well, what's routine? Well, it can be a synonym for normal, can't it? If we look at society today, the norm is changing. And one thing that I told my son is I said, normal as in reference to what? Normal in reference to human behavior? Normal in reference to uh, patterns going to work, coming from work? Patterns of work? Normal as temperature? What are we talking about? And it got me thinking. Like, we hear that a lot. That's normal police procedure. That's normal this. That's, I mean, we even have a document that I work on for so many agencies called the Standard Operating Procedures. Well, what's standard? Well, standard is normal. And, and I write those for agencies. <laughs> I assist a lot. But what does that mean? Well, that means what we're working on here is this is how it should be in standard and procedure. That, that's okay, right? When you get in your car, uh, you got keys. Some cars have apps now, but we got keys. Whether they go in the ignition or just in your pocket, we have keys. You, you put your foot on the brake and you hit the start button or turn the key. And there, there are normal procedures, an abnormal procedure would be taking a screwdriver, getting in your car and, and jamming it in the ignition to start it or breaching under the dash and hot wiring it. That would probably not be considered a normal procedure, right? So in law enforcement, a lot of times we're looking for the norm. Are they acting outside of the norm? I mean, how many times have we stood in court? And there was something about the person while I was speaking to them. Well, what was it? Well, they, they, they were... They, they, they were nervous, they were fidgety, they, they were sweating a lot, and it was 20 degrees outside. And it was, you know, what are we saying? What we're saying is they weren't acting under what we would consider the suspected or expected norm. It wasn't normal, it wasn't regular, it wasn't standard. But, but I ask you, what is normal, regular, or standard anymore? It's changing constantly. It's hard to keep up with. When we're training our officers and we're training them for situations, do we train on the norm or do we train on the what if? I've had some very good instructors over the years. I've had some very poor instructors over the years. And, and the poor ones are what I would call just phoning it in, <laughs> right? They're, they're done with their career and they're just like, okay, here's what you do and da 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 but the good instructors come out and say, well, th this is, this is the standard currently today, but, but what if this, and what if that, I remember I went through a, a sergeant's exam uh, way back and, and in the exam, there was a time where you came in and you were going to do a, uh, a, a mock roll call briefing. 
Okay. And, and you walked in and you had no idea what these people were going to say. Cause you had, you had the, the assessors in, in playing the part of an officer sitting in the room and you came up, you stood at the podium and, and you had some prepared things for roll call. And then they would just start throwing curveballs at you. Just craziness. And then at one point they had somebody bust into the room and I thought, okay, wait a minute. Now we've lost our minds because number one, and by the way, that person was not an officer. It was an angry citizen. So I thought at what situation did an angry citizen get through the front door, (laughs) get past everybody in the department, angry, screaming and running and make their way. Number one, find the roll call room to be mad at me, but it's not bad training. Could it happen? I guess anything could happen. Is it probable? No, it's not probable. Is it normal? No, wouldn't call it normal. But then again, if we don't train, if we don't prepare for the what ifs, for the probably never going to happen, but what if it does, then do we become stagnant and apathetic with our jobs? It, it, this has really struck me in our election here. Uh, you know, some, some are surprising. Some are not surprising. My, my friend that was the coroner for 18 years, I mean, loved in the community, um, extremely surprising. I mean, of all of the election results of all of the election results, and some of them we're still waiting for, no matter how it comes out, the one that's going to surprise me is him because of his track record. And I'm not sitting here saying, well, he, you know, she shouldn't have won or I'm not getting into that. What I'm saying is it struck me out of my norm. It made me go, what? Huh? How could that happen? But then immediately we have to say, uh, we, we've got a new normal. That normal is no longer normal. That normal is abnormal. (laughs) We've got a new norm. So what if, what if you're listening to me right now, let's say you're driving into work and uh, you're, you're, you're a deputy or, or, you know, you, you had some, some change that you have a new sheriff that you don't know. Maybe, maybe even from outside the department, maybe you've got a new chief from outside the department as many times that happens. You have a new boss. You, you don't know what to expect. You, and, and, and maybe the, maybe the run, maybe the, the reason you have a new boss was, was ugly. I mean, just ugly. I've dealt with a lot of agencies that unfortunately the chief got in a situation where he got fired. You know, some of them were prosecuted ugh, for bad things, but it's good that we were able to find that person and remove them. Yes. We talked about that in a previous podcast, but you're driving into work and you're going, what's the norm? What do I do? What about this? What about that? What if he doesn't like me? What if I get demoted? What if I get fired? What if we can wind ourselves up? My question to you though is until the job changes, the job didn't change. The, the goal of law enforcement does not change. The oath you took when you raised your right hand, right, didn't change because you got a new boss. 
that shouldn't. That person took the same oath or is going to take the same oath if they weren't law enforcement before, because that can happen here in the United States. You can get a sheriff who's never been in law enforcement. Doesn't happen often, but it can. But that job does not change. What I challenge you to do is think past the norm. Throw the norm out and just say, I'm, I'm, I'm here to work. I'm here to do the job. My goal, my ultimate goal has not changed. That can be hard. It can be extremely hard. I mean, how many times, I'm thinking back, how many times I got uh, moved to a different shift under a different captain and lieutenant and sergeant. Um, and on patrol, it was kind of like, okay, well, still patrolling, still know my area. The routine of getting ready is the same. Maybe some goals. I don't know. I've heard they're hard to work for. Well, who'd you hear that from? Did you hear that from somebody who doesn't want to work? Maybe. I mean, I won't name this person, but I had a field training officer once. It's kind of a funny story. Um, uh, my department, we went through uh, field training for many weeks, many, many weeks, and we would rotate patrol shifts. We had three shifts at the time, and so you'd do morning watch, day watch, and night watch for weeks apiece. I remember I was on night watch, and I was put with this FTO, and the first thing this FTO showed me was where to sleep. And I'm a, run, a young, fresh rookie. I didn't want to sleep. And I remember I got in trouble because, <laughs> because I pulled over a car. And he's like, man, you don't need that. Okay, look, that's an apathetic individual that has defined their own normal as don't want to do the job. And that was found out later on. I found out years later and taken care of. Good, good. But then you got those that are headstrong. I had another FTO. I'd just be driving along. And all of a sudden she'd say, how would you get to Wheat Street from here? And, and it wasn't like, um, hold on, let me see. She's like, no, come on, you got a call. Hot call, Wheat Street, tell me, go. And you'd have to tell her or you'd be driving along. You make a couple turns, take into a neighborhood that you weren't quite familiar with yet. And she'd go, what street are you on right now? Man, that's good. Keep us on our toes, right? Keep us on our toes. And maybe the change in these norms is exactly that. Keeping us on our toes. And you say, DJ, this new guy, this new sheriff, he just, you know, he's not worth anything. Uh, we've heard this. We've heard that. Or maybe he came from the department and he's one of those. And there's all kinds of rumors and speculation and whatever. Whatever. Right? But it doesn't change the job. Now, if you're in a smaller department, it can be more, it can affect you more, closer. Why? Because they know you. If you're in a department like, you know, L.A. style, the chief probably doesn't know your name and will probably never know your name. I know that's rough, but when you've got thousands of officers, how does it change your job? It may come in and change some initiatives, right? We want to come in and do these new initiatives. Well, that's fine. Sure. But I want to empower you that the goal of your job, that drive that you have, can't snuff out. 
It can't. Because the second it does, then you start sliding toward being the problem. You start sliding toward being some of those officers that we've spoken about in previous podcasts that I hope you agree with me need to be, well, I need to find another job. We need to keep that core. We need to keep that drive. Do you remember the drive you had? Do you remember the excitement you had the day they pinned that badge on you? Just take a second and think about that. Take a second and think about the reason you got into the job. And frankly, if you're listening to me and you're one of those who got in the job just because you wanted a shiny badge and a gun, find another podcast. What I'm talking about is, is those that are here for the right reasons. My analyst friends, why did you take all those classes? Because <laughs> we know they're hard. I mean, the first day I got into analyst school and they handed me a graphing scientific calculator, I seriously stared at the door for a minute going, I don't know about this. But you power through and you go, oh, yeah, okay, I got this. I got this. But why did you spend all that time? You know, speaking to my coroner friend, and he, he was talking about when we worked together, and he said one of the things that he liked was the fact that, that I, I, I took the classes. I went to death investigations. I went to crime scene investigations. I went to, and he goes, well, why did you do that? I said, because I wanted to know. It was part of the job. That drive to do the job better, right? We should all have that. And we did at one time. Just because there's a change in leadership doesn't mean the drive goes away. If anything, it should increase the drive. Not because you want to, you know, suck up to the leader. We don't want that. But simply because... Maybe it's a time for new initiatives. Maybe it's a time for a new fire. Keep in mind, so that person that just got that job, that election, that whatever, is fired up. They just got the position. They're in the same boat that you were the day you got that badge pinned on. Think about any time you've ever received a promotion. Maybe you went from slick sleeve officer to, to sergeant. You got those three stripes and you had them sewed on, maybe did it yourself, right? I remember when I was, was, was voted onto the SWAT team. Oh, boy. I worked so hard. I'm not a runner. I'm, I'm still not a runner. I'm not built to be a runner. <laughs> My body doesn't like me to be a runner. But that was the thing that was getting me, right? So I trained and I trained and I trained and I trained and I ran and I ran and I hated every second of it. But at the end of the SWAT trials, that, that horrible, horrible day, <laughs> love you SWAT brothers but that day's horrible you know what I mean I went back to the house and I remember telling my wife how'd it go and I said well I'm, I'm, I'd am i like to go to bed now and <laughs> my whole body hurts I'd just like to go to bed my, my, my brain is tired my body is tired I said but here's the deal I did everything I planned on doing so there it is and then I got that call and, and they gave me that patch. I still have that patch. And, and, and you get this bag for your gear. And a lot of the guys, you know, had, had the patch sewed on. I sewed that patch on by hand. Why? Because 
I was just, I, I, I was fired up, right? We're, we're going to go get the murderers. We're going to go get the, the robbery suspects. We're going to go get the drug dealers. We're gonna, I was fired up. I had that fire. Because it was, that, I mean, that first day, and I, I never lost the fire for that, but that first day when they told me, it was like, yeah, I did it. I accomplished it. Then I fell back on, why did I even try? Because I thought I could be part of something that make things better. Now, no matter what some of my listeners think about SWAT teams, because I, I know I have listeners that are not pro-police. I get that. And I appreciate you being here. But I want you to understand, those that are not pro-police, okay, that there is a fire in the belly of dispatchers, police, admin workers, sheriffs, anybody in that law enforcement, district attorneys. There's a fire in that belly. And, and, and the fire in the belly of the core group is... I just want to help they, they, they I, I refer to it. I think I've said this before in podcasts. I refer to it as, uh, you know, you got a funny bone, right? You, you, you got it, but I call it my injustice bone. I still have it. It doesn't go away. I just hate to see people done wrong. I hate to see people getting away with crime, getting away with doing somebody dirty. Right, I think we all have a little bit of that, don't we? We all have that bone, if you will, in our body somewhere. We see some old lady swindled out of her life savings. We all go, oh, that's just horrible. Somebody should do something about that. Well, for those of you who aren't quite pro-law enforcement, and you know we're not in a group here where you have to raise your hand, so you can be honest with yourself as you're listening to me. How many times have you ever said, well, that's just not right. Somebody should do something about that. Uh, uh, Have they got that murderer yet? Have they found that child yet? That's just not right. Somebody should do something. Well, guess what? The somebody is those in law enforcement. So how does that have anything to do with normal? Well, the reason it has something to do with normal is because normal is, and I told my son this in, in, in the interview, it, it's really undefinable. If I were to define my normal, it's not your normal. And your normal is not my normal. And my normal could change today. As soon as I get done with this podcast... I've got a call with a couple of agencies. I had a call with an agency last night in Australia. And I listened to the way they do things. And I listened to uh, the issues they were having, which is the reason I was on the phone with them. And their normal is not our normal. The way they do things is not the way we do things. But does that make it wrong? No. Does that make it completely right? Always room for improvement, right? I challenge my listeners today. To think about your normal in work, in life, in anything. And think to yourself, if the normal changes, 
How do I handle it? If the normal changes, how do I handle it? I mean, I, uh, I was watching the news and I see uh, election day. Of course, again, we're a couple of days past that now. Uh, yet, it, I guess we're still in the mire of it. But I saw businesses boarding up during election day. And I don't mean like just boarding the door. I mean, just like <laughs> bought out Home Depot, completely boarded up the business. In what? In preparation for issues. What issues? Why? It, it's an election. I mean, unless somebody's cheating, and let's face it, it, it could happen, but it's very difficult, right? It's because the norm is going to change, perhaps, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe they want a new norm, and, and these businesses are afraid that the people who want a new norm and, and maybe don't get it, who knows yet, will, will act out. Well, folks, that's not handling ourselves. That's my challenge for you today. If your norm is changing, if your norm has changed, if a couple of days ago you got a new boss and you just don't know what to do with it and you hate, you love the new guy and he's going to leave and you just... Uh, 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 we have to challenge ourselves, especially in law enforcement, because we, we hate to say the word pride ourselves, but... but we do, on being able to handle the unexpected, handle the worst of the worst, handle change. As a call changes, we can handle it, right? That, that's why we're here. That's frankly why we're different from the people who don't do the job. Let's face it, there's not many people in the world, okay, who can handle a 911 call of a child calling because... Uh, their, their, their parent just fell out on the floor and they don't know what to do. And the child is inconsolable and you're doing your best to get people there, but you're trying to work. That's a nightmare people. And, and maybe the call before that was, Hey, uh, my car broke down and I need some assistance. Just regular old call, right? We don't call it that, but it is, it's a regular old call. And then boom, we're, we're, we're in this life or death fight with a child. To help them. We pride ourselves on being able to adapt to the situation and overcome the situation. So I challenge you to do the same when your job changes. It's just the same thing, isn't it? I was doing this. Now I'm doing that. I was working for this person. Now I'm working for that person. You know, here in my job, I mean, in, in the corporate world now, there's a lot of changes. I did a count the other day from, you know, just a handful of years. I've had seven different bosses. <laughs> Go ahead, make the joke that I'm, I'm probably hard to manage. Uh, that's the joke I always make. I, I don't think that's it. But th there's a lot of change that goes on. And you just have to continue on. Every time there's change, I tell my team, we continue on. We continue on with the good work we're doing until we're told to do something different. No change. Keep moving. We need to do the same thing in law enforcement. When society shifts, it didn't shift our purpose. When society tells us that we're garbage because we wear the badge, it didn't change our purpose. 
the purpose is the only norm that we have in law enforcement. When you raised your hand and you gave your oath that you would do this job, when you took on the responsibilities of the job, the core responsibilities to protect, to serve, to be honest, all of that, that is the only norm we have. Therefore, that's the norm we should cling to. Everything else is a moving target. All right. Let's take a look at some stupid criminals because I found some good ones for you today. I was so excited about these, I've actually had these ready for about two weeks. <laughs> Just waiting to tell you. Let's start in Florida. Why? Because why not? Because I, I love my folks in Florida, and, and I think Florida man should be the Florida state animal. But nonetheless. So, a total of seven, seven Florida and Georgia men have been charged in what wildlife authorities call an elaborate organized enterprise. Oh, that's right. We've got a criminal enterprise for wildlife authorities. Hmm, let's think about that. They attempted, or actually did in many cases, illegally smuggle. Oh, you'll love this. You're thinking Florida. You're going alligators and turtles and snakes. No, 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 no. Flying squirrels. Yep. They smuggled flying squirrels out of Florida. And the suspects have all been identified and arrested. We'll get to that in a minute. Suspects were not just in Florida. They were also here in Marietta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. We'll take a little of the blame there. Uh, they were charged in the case. Um, this is a quote here from one of the suspects. Quote, if it crawls or flies in Florida and there's a market for it and it's legal, I'll catch it. And if I can't, I'll figure out a way. Said that when he was caught. Yeah, good job. <sighs> They're all charged with racketeering, conspiracy to commit racketeering, scheme to defraud, grand theft, dealing in stolen property, and money laundering. Wow. Now, here's the interesting thing. You go, why are you smuggling squirrels? Well, apparently, there's a market for them in Asia. So they were smuggling them and shipping them over, and they were smart about it. They'd ship them to... to, to um, uh, to Chicago and then over to New York and change the labels and they had a big they had a big deal going on here. That's a lot for squirrels. Well, here's why it's squirrels, folks, because the ringleader of this had violated was also charged with violating his probation on a human trafficking charge out of Georgia. That's right. He just took his human trafficking ring and turned it into flying squirrels. Thought that would go better for him. It didn't. Let's go to Tennessee. A Tennessee man ended up in the joint for smoking a joint while in court. Oh, yes. Spencer Boston, 20 years old. He was in Wilson County Court after being charged with simple marijuana possession. That's right, still illegal in Tennessee. (sighs) Not to be deterred by the first charge, Boston began to argue in favor of legalizing the drug. That's right, he's in court. He's not pleading his case. He just starts to, you know go off on how it should be legalized. Okay. Well, Boston was very blunt in his argument. Huh, pun intended. But instead of simply expressing his opinion using words, he pulled out a joint in the middle of court, lit it up, and started smoking it right in front of the judge. He was actually uh, able to get in a a good number of puffs uh, before the uh, deputies grabbed him and uh, drug him away as he was yelling, the people deserve better. 
He was charged with disorderly conduct and yet another marijuana possession charge. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, I think that's a good thing. Uh, it, it's a good thing because obviously this guy just likes jail. So, he got some more time there. Mississippi. Two Mississippi men were arrested after investigators said they doctored a scratch-off lottery ticket to make it appear that they had won $100,000. Now, before you start giving these guys a lot of props for going, wow, they must have used a scanner and did a, oh no, 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 no. These guys weren't exactly what you call the sharp edge of the knife, you see. Uh, they were arrested by the Flowood Police Department on Monday after the Mississippi Lottery Corporation contacted authorities about the forged ticket. You'll love this. Did they use a scanner? Did they print it? Did they, did they really go to... No! They just simply cut off a series of numbers and superglued them to the ticket and then turned it in for cash. <laughs> they were charged with conspiracy to commit and uttering counterfeit instrument over a thousand bucks, false ID, and on and on and on. They face up to 20 years in prison and a $50,000 fine. Still not going to help. I mean, if, if you're that dumb, that doesn't wear off. And lastly today, one of my favorite, Matthew Bushman, age 36, was being investigated as part of a forgery case. Police said he made the bold move insisting he was someone else, <laughs> despite having his name, yes indeed, his name, tattooed in black ink, across his throat. Not not a nickname. Not like Sparky. His actual full name tattooed across his throat and was arguing at the police that he wasn't them. He also gave a, uh, a fake date of birth. Of course he did. He was arrested in charge of forgery and obstructing justice. Police said that he was trying to give the fake information in an attempt to avoid an arrest warrant out of another county in Illinois. Okay, public service announcement for all criminals. If you don't want to be identified very, very easily, probably a good idea to not get your full name tattooed across your throat. Mm, 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 mm. You know, as we go along this journey together, I may say, say some things you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you do. Or have a topic for me you'd like me to cover. And thank you for those who've sent some in. I'm going to continue on those. Maybe you do have a funny police story. Something you'd like to share with me. Had a few of those. Thank you. I encourage you to email me at offthebeat at motorolasolutions.com. Give me your thoughts and ideas. And check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore offthebeat. Until next time, stay diligent, stay educated, and stay safe.